I'm Dan Rundy. I hold the Schreier Chair at CSIS. This is another segment of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. It's a privilege and an honor to have my friend Antonio Rodiles, who is a Cuban dissident and is a coordinator for one of the most important Cuban dissident groups on the island of Cuba. Antonio, it's really great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you for the invitation, Dan. Antonio, how did you end up becoming a dissident? Well, my major is in physics and math. But I decided to start in the opposition movement because I saw the critical situation that we are living in our country. And for sure, I deserve a new life for my island, for my country. Then I start to work with different dissident artists, independent artists. And little by little, also, the secret police start to push me to be more involved. I, because I, of the way they treated people? Yeah, yeah. And, and because of the way that they treat me, too. And then I accept the, the challenge, and then I am here. How long have you been active as a dissident in Cuba? Around seven years. And I have heard some of the stories of when you go out into the public square in Cuba just exercising your human rights, that you've been physically attacked by government secret police. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, several times. Several what times. has happened to you? Well, they beat me really hard between, sometimes between... 10 people, 6, 7 people, different faces that the, the regime want to show to the international community. But the reality is that the Castro family is transferring the power from one generation to another one. Probably the, the new person or the new president is going to be Miguel Díaz-Canel, but everybody knows inside of the island that the real power is in the Castro family, not only in the political and in the repression, and in the control side, but also in the economic part. The son-in-law of Raul Castro is the one that control a huge holding company that is the one that have the relation with foreign companies. What is the role of the Catholic Church in Cuba? Is it helping create a space for human rights and democracy? There are different levels because the hierarchy was in special Jaime Ortega. The Cardinal Jaime Ortega was completely in the side of the regime. But there are another levels where you have the priests that they are working with the common people. I hope that soon the position of the Catholic Church change in order to support the real change in our country, the respect for human rights. And I think that it's moving a little. Let's hope that the situation change completely and they can understand that they have a really an important role for the future of Cuba. What kind of policies would you like to see the United States enact vis-a-vis -vis the country of Cuba? Well, I think that now the, the new administration is moving in the right direction. They are sanctioning the regime, especially the military companies. But at the same time, I think that need to be a combination between international sanctions, political and economic, but also the support of the Cuban regime that there be a massive increase in American tourists. Has that happened? At the beginning, look like that was the idea. But right now, I think for several factors, this is not happening. First of all, many tourists go to Cuba and they see that they don't have really the infrastructure to develop that activity. And on the Someday it could. Maybe in the future, in a free Cuba. Yeah, yeah, of course. It could. It has so much potential. No, Cuba has a really Great a culture. Huge, exactly. A great history, exactly. fabulous music. It has much tourism potential, but this regime has really managed the wonderful assets of Cuba in a terrible way. And so tourists, when they come and they, see and, that. And then they want to control absolutely everything. The problem with the Cuban regime is not just that they want the power. They want the whole power. 
My wife, 30 years ago, and so it's not as extreme as this now, went on a vacation to Cuba in the 1980s, and she told me that it was sort of a Soviet-style hotels and tourism mindset. It was guided tours. And she said that it was a rainy day, and the tour guide, who was also probably the secret police, said, well, today we have to go to the beach. And everybody said, well, it's raining. I said, sorry, on Tuesdays we go to the beach, so you have to go to the beach. And everyone just stayed in the hotel, but it was crazy. So these sorts of things that you're talking about, sort of mismanaging the assets and mismanaging the opportunity. I mean, it's a wonderful island with so much potential, and it's just been beyond tragic how this awful regime has mismanaged the assets here. Yes, and I think that that's why we need to push for a real transformation. When you see the difference between Miami and Cuba, is huge. And you have in Miami the same Cuban people. But here you have the freedom. There you have the control from a totalitarian regime. Right. And if you were... Everything is moving also in Cuba in the black market. There is no wholesale market in Cuba. If I wanted to go buy wholesale tomatoes or wholesale No, no, no. You need to buy... From a fisherman or something. Yes. And, and in general, what the entrepreneurs are doing, they are buying the black market. But at the same time, you are exposed to be a rush for the inspectors. And, you know, always you are in the line of the illegal. So it's a crazy set of rules of the game. Exactly. And there is a lot of corruption because of that. Can I get a loan if I wanted to open up a restaurant or a small business? Can no, I get a loan? No, are really low. The amount of that they can give you. It's not, not really. And no. then how about if I want to go on the internet, can I get access to the internet at my house? No, in your house, no. Now it is supposed that they are opening that possibility, but anyway, it's too slow and too expensive. I can't own a property in Cuba. If I wanted to buy an apartment, can I buy an apartment? As, as a foreign people, no. Need to be just a people living inside of the country. But you, you can own a house in Cuba. Sometimes you cannot use exactly the word that is here because they, you don't have There's all... There's some funny language because ex- of all this exactly, socialism Exactly. Stuff. They always are twisting the meanings of the word. It's, cra- no? it's a crazy system and it's going on for far too long. So if, if I want to call up the telephone company and I say I want to have a telephone line and I want to have cable TV and I want to have access to the internet, can I get cable TV in Cuba? No, no, no. That There's no cable TV. No, no cable Satellite TV? TV? No, 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 no. So no, if I want to get access to the outside world, I want to listen to a radio station from Mexico or I want to go online and read a Mexican newspaper, can I do that online? In general, there are many information that are censored by the regime. So there's a lot of censorship stuff. Exactly. They, one of the key things that the regime knows that they need to censor completely. It's, it's, totally, it's totally irrational. And exactly. It's, exactly. It's totally arbitrary. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm thrilled you're here. I'm worried. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was that I fear that the regime, which has opened up a little bit to allow folks like you to visit once in a while, and you've come to the United States probably three times a year for the last three or four years, though you told me this last trip, you, here in November 2017, they made it quite difficult and it was quite scary for you at the airport in terms of the amount of threats that they made to you and they tried to hold you back from getting on that airplane, that it may be more difficult for you to come back next time because the Trump administration and the Castro regime are having a different kind of relationship than the relationship that the Obama administration had with the Castro regime. So I'm worried and one of the reasons I wanted to podcast you was I hope to have you back here soon. If you come back in early 2018, we'll have you back on and we'll podcast you again so you can give us an update. But I really wanted to make sure that we had this conversation. So when someone says to you, Cuba's a wonderful place, what, what's your response to that? I mean, there's there's lots of wonderful things about Cuba, but just leave us with the reality of Cuba today. What is the reality of I Cuba? I think that if you want to know what is happening in Cuba and you go there, you just need to see and to go to the population to talk openly with the people, with the people that 
want to do because sometimes people are afraid and don't be with this kind of visits that are guided by by regime exactly uh, exactly by regime elites. but if you arrive to the island you can see immediately the, the the critical situation that cubans are living over there the city is completely destroyed people are really in bad conditions people are afraid to talk and this is clear i i don't think that you need to make a profound investigation to realize that people are living in this kind 